Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. And this is Megan. And it feels like it's been a while. It, yeah, kind of technically. Yeah, it definitely has. Well, well, we were going through some stuff, so that's why it was kind of late yeah. this week. Um, Megan's still trying to uh, get video from our investigation. Yeah. So I give props to anybody that uh, edits regularly. It is a big job. And we just have two hours, so I could just imagine somebody that's there for eight hours and why there's an actual team that probably does it for certain people. Yeah. So. Well, that technically is kind of our haunted update, but we're saving the details for that for our next week's episode. Yeah. Which we usually save to the end, but I guess we can give it away now at the beginning. Uh, we're doing Shadow Walker Part 4. Uh, we're going into details about what happened in the investigation coincides with the update with my abilities and stuff like that yeah we found some research just from researching i've found some things because i've been looking on a lot of shamanic type websites and kind of looking more of what shamans have to say yeah so look forward to those details in uh shadow walk part four that'll be coming out monday yeah but um small i guess haunted update that's not so much in detail uh, we did go to Patsy's Pond. We did investigate. We did find a lot of stuff. And it did get recorded. And if you didn't watch TikTok Live, you missed out because a lot of stuff happened. Granted, Diego was probably the worst cameraman in the world. <laughs> uh, and he, he didn't really get a lot of good footage. But the stuff that he did catch was pretty good. But yeah, I had a friend Diego and a friend Taylor uh, help me out. And they they handled the camera. Uh, Taylor took some pictures. He's still editing through the pictures, looking for anything he'd find um, before he gave it to them. We post those on, uh, on the Instagram and stuff. But yeah, look forward to the uh, video. It's supposed to be on what? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. But later tomorrow, like evening-ish. Well, today, technically. Today, yes. Or if you're listening to this. Yeah. yeah. So Friday, whenever t- today is for you. It'll be a little bit later in the day. I'm talking around dinner time is what I'm talking about. Well, then again, if you some people are early or late dinner people. You I might- eat my supper at 5 p.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My my grandma does that, and then, then she gets up in the middle of the night and eats, so... She can't be in early. But no, it was a good experience when it came to investigating with uh, that group of people. But also it was nice in the fact that we had people to record us that we didn't have to do it ourselves. Yeah. And we were, we're talking about like later on, hopefully somewhere down the line. My tax return season. Ew, that sounded like that guy from uh, Family Guy, the, the old man. Herbert. Herbert? Yeah, Herbert the pervert. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Anyways, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you have some options. Um, get your fat ass back here. Okay. Um, see that freaking made me lost my train of thought. Okay, yeah, cameras that we can wear, like wearable yeah, GoPros, cameras, like yeah. GoPros. Yeah. Um, so you can see from our different perspectives, uh, just in case we're ever at a location where we kind of have to separate. We have that footage. Yeah, you can switch to POVs. So, so if I'm pulling something, you can see it. If the camera picks up what's in front of me. Like your POV, what's happening with you and Mike and so forth and so on. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's a lot of EVPs in the, uh, there was a really cool one where, uh, they were at the pond, you'll see. And, uh, I didn't go down there with them because with my, uh, agility, I, I did not want to be on wet soil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have hit the ground a couple of times or it would have been my luck. I would have put my foot in something weird. I don't know. But, there was a EVP where you hear Mike go like, oh, what is that? What What is that? And then all of a sudden you hear like, I don't even, I can't even mimic the sound. It literally sounded like a creature from not of this world. It was like, Whoa. I can't even do it. It's crazy. But another one too. Um, So a lot of this area has a lot of Freemason stuff. And Mike's talking to Isaac about like, kind of like where we're going and all that and you're you're here in between them talking. Someone going, like it's creepy. It's like dead on. Like you can hear it. So, just a little teaser. Yeah. So watch that when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, um, I'll be posting some of the specific EVPs on the Shadow Walker page and on their TikTok and all that stuff. So. But on today's episode, haunted San Antonio in Austin, Texas. So use a British accent. I don't to describe know. A redneck state that people expect you sound like this from. Which is funny when I tell people I'm from Texas. I lived there my entire life, mm-hmm. and I sound like this. Yeah. I know I sound like this when I talk to people, 
right? It sounded like this when I talked to people. No, I sound like this. Yeah. No accent to my voice. I lived in Texas my entire life. North Carolina has. Oh, I just. Uh... I remember the first time I worked at Walmart, there was this guy that uh, came up to me. I could not, not understand. He was like, Jeremy, I'm watching you. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to And I was like, what? He had such a thick accent. <laughs> thick ass accent. Yeah. The funny is, <laughs> my entire life in Texas, I never really met anyone to have a heavy country accent. My entire high school, none of us did. And the one person who did have one came from North Carolina. Oh, my God. I've heard more accents here than I ever did in Texas. But yeah. anyway. No, haunted San Antonio, haunted Austin. Yeah. So and there's more of... cities in Texas that are haunted because that state is the size of most, bigger than most countries in the world. But um, we're focused on those two mostly because we spent most of our time. And I feel like... I feel like, oddly enough, we have quite a bit of listeners from San Antonio and Austin. And so I thought it would be cool to cover it because a uh, majority of these places, I feel like I've walked past. Um, not in, not Austin. I don't think I've been to the ones in Austin. But we're also going to kind of cover a couple along the way that you would go from San Antonio to Austin. Because there's Blanco. Even the Spring Branch House is technically going towards Austin, right? Depends on which way you go. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like that in between. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to go to San Antonio first. All right. Talk about San Antonio. Okay, so of course, when you're talking about haunted places in San Antonio, you have to talk about this place because I feel like it is one of the most talked about haunted spots in San Antonio, let alone Texas. Um, you've had Ghost Adventures go there. You've had the YouTuber Sam and Colby. I always want to say Sam and Cody, but I think his name is Sam and Colby. And then, of course, Jack Osborne with the portals to hell. So, was there. Plus, there's a kind of interesting concept that we might actually use for a future episode from this location. So, and that place is the Black Swan Inn. So, the Black Swan Inn is obviously in San Antonio. It is known from having for having a past from everything to native encampments to a gruesome battle that took place on the grounds, to suicides, and untimely death. I think it was even, I think the Black Swan Inn was even a, a spot for, like, a paranormal fest that took place. It was in 2022 and 2021, I think, which is interesting. Anyways, like I said, shows like Ghost Adventures, Sam and Colby, have all kind of gone to investigate the reports of this paranormal Location, uh, the land itself is ancient. There's evidence dating back to 500 BC of native encampments, uh, basically right where the house is sitting. And even to this day, they still kind of, you can still find things on the land of artifacts and stuff like that. 1872, there was a brutal battle that took place there called the Battle of Salado. I'm probably saying that right, wrong. Salado. Salado. It's on the banks of the Salado Creek. This battle was basically the attempt to reclaim the territory by Mexico. Fight between the Mexican army and a small Texas militia that left 60 Mexican soldiers dead. And unfortunately, given the nature of everything, majority of the soldiers were left there without a proper burial. So basically where the soldiers fell is where they decomposed. There was no real like burial of it, of them. More than 35 years after that, a German immigrant named Henrich Mahler, sorry, I suck at names, guys, um, decided to purchase the land and convert the property to a dairy farm. Unfortunately, his wife passed within two years. Fortunately, his wife passed, and then within two years of that, he passed. Uh, the next property owner was a family. So the Holbrook and Woods family, the wives were sisters, and the family basically moved to the area once they bought the property. Uh, they renovated the house and renamed the house White Gables. Jolene Woods ended up marrying Hall Park Street and gained ownership over the Black Swan Inn. So she was part of that family and then gained ownership once she married. Jolene unfortunately died at age 38 due to cancer and her husband was filled with so much grief that he committed suicide on August 5th, 1965. And there was some speculation if he really did commit suicide or if it was murder, but... They ended up ruling it a suicide. Um, so like I said, uh, multiple well-known investigators have been intrigued by this location, including Ghost Adventures. They investigated the claims made by the present owner's nine-year-old daughter at the time who claimed she saw a dark entity in her room and that they believed and that she believed bruised and scratched her. 
while living there. Zach Bagans during the episode interviewed with a Native American expert and he agreed the land was sacred and that the battle that took place had a major influence on the emotion trapped there and created the magnitude of the paranormal activity. And I believe when Ghost Adventures went there, I have to rewatch the episode. I remember watching it, but I think they caught like some EVPs and some like apparition stuff, but like not anything like massive. It was an impactful episode. I remember watching it. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, there's Antonio. Uh, but this is like after we already moved out in there, so knocking like different sounds. Like I think they got an apparition or something like that. I can't remember what, but yeah, a lot of EVPs and stuff like that. Yeah. It wasn't their most intense episode, but it was just cool watching them at you know, hey, they're in Seatown. So yeah, it's said that they believe multiple entities held this location, but particularly Jolene and Park Street, which I think that's an interesting name. I kind of like I kind of like that. Like, Ao Park Street. Sorry. Um, there has been reports of apparitions, definite dips in temperature changes that are noticeable, and lights turning on and off. The room upstairs, one of the bedrooms, that is where the apparition of Mrs. Woods can be seen. It's described that the room is heavy, and you could see her sitting on the bed at times. That's not where she died. I believe in the article it said that I had read the different articles that she had died downstairs, but for whatever reason, that one bedroom upstairs is where a lot of people have seen her. Also, there's a very present male spirit that seems to be guarding the house. His energy is supposedly not that great. Like, it's not necessarily negative, but it's not the greatest. And people think that's Park Street. I really like that name. That's, I don't... It's <laughs> such a cool name. Anyways, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, there is also a young girl spirit there. The thing that kind of, like, hmm, made it interesting to me was the fact on Sam and Colby and then also on Portals to Hell, they talk about a psychomantium, which I didn't really know what that was. I think you mentioned it before, but I like didn't do any research on it. But a psychomantium is a small enclosed area set up with a chair, dim lighting, and a mirror, so it doesn't reflect anything but darkness to communicate with spirits. Basically, if you're familiar with the term near-death experience, The guy that came up with that phrase also had an influence on this idea. His name is Raymond Moody, and he actually believed that this was a useful tool to resolve grief. He was an eccentric billionaire, or millionaire at the time, who had illustrious parties, and he would invite his guests to use his psychomantium to speak to to his people. That's why he was considered eccentric, because he was into the occult and stuff like that. But he had a psychomantium, and the psychomantium essentially was a mirror angled so you don't see your reflection but you still see the mirror reflection itself mm-hmm. now that goes with the old theory that mirrors are portals mm-hmm. right yep so if the reflection is not your own and it's a dim lit area because usually they use like one candle and listen to light to see and if you focus and manifest who you want to speak to of the dead that person will appear in the mirror through a portal essentially right in front of you that was a theory. He tested it out a couple of times. It worked for some people. It mm-hmm. worked for others. I guess it all depends on how much you want to speak to that person. Mm-hmm. It's just another form of a Ouija board or it's connecting. It's a device used to connect to the other side. Yeah. Right? Just like a Ouija board, just like a, we call it a pendulum or something like that. Is it access to the other side. Now, can it be dangerous? Of course it can. Yeah. Because you don't know what might come through. And I didn't actually watch the episode Portals to Hell, but Jack Osborne, but I think he actually sits, I don't know if he tries it out, but I know, like, there's obviously pictures and stuff of him sitting in there. So, yeah. Would you try it out? I don't need it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if I would. Just um, Some people will even describe it similar to scrying. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty much the black swan in. You can actually, the cool thing that I did find is that you can actually go there. It's not very hard to investigate it. Because I'm starting to learn with investigating. It can be, certain spots can be kind of hard to get into. But it's 750, I think, for a team up to 10. Um, But you get access to that place in the Yorktown Memorial Hospital. So it's kind of like two for one. But um, They get a BOGO deal. Yeah, basically. (laughs) A BOGO deal. You also get this place in. But... You can stay in there from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. So it's kind of a cool spot if you want to check it out. Like You don't need that much time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, our investigations are pretty short because uh, Isaac normally removes whatever, then we cross, and then 
Um, but I guess if we wanted to do an actual, like, long investigation. I don't know. Um, kind of cool thing, and this is another reason why I wanted to cover this episode, is because next year we are going to San Antonio. So, yeah. so who knows? So anybody in the San Antonio area that, I don't know, wants to meet us, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. We're not that famous. We're not, we're not, not even, yeah. I don't know. I'm talking mainly about like any paranormal teams or anything like that that would be like, oh shit, they're coming our way. Let's meet up. Like, yeah, because I know my long awaited, uh, our investigation is of my ranch. Yeah, I feel like we're going to be investigating majority of the time that we're there. I feel like it. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Mike and Megan will even come. That'd be cool. Yeah. Do, like a road trip there. Um, so next we're going to go to a place that San Antonio is known for. So I think I've had my most weird encounters downtown, like by the Riverwalk. And one thing that is down there by that area, not like by the Riverwalk, but kind of by the Riverwalk, is the Alamo. And San Antonio is known for the Alamo a lot. So here's a little bit of history and what goes on there. Because I've actually never been into the Alamo. I've been around it, but never in it. Have you? The Alamo? Yeah. Every kid who lived in Texas has been <laughs> to the Alamo on a field trip. Oh, yeah. It's one of those spots. You have to go. It's like it's required. Yeah, uh, I never actually went in there. My parents went in there a couple times, but I don't know why I never liked it. And so I always stayed outside. It's, there's probably a reason for that. But at the time, I was like... Yeah, the thing about the Alamo, I think is... Well, everyone, if, if you're not from Texas, you've heard of it, but mm-hmm. you don't know the real history of it. But I, I, I tell you this, within a hundred, I would say within a mile radius mm-hmm. of the Alamo, there's guaranteed a hundred yards mm-hmm. for sure, but in a, a mile radius of the Alamo, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be dead bodies. Oh, oh yeah, a hundred percent because from it seven, was a battlefield area. Well, so many people that, died. Not only that, but did you know from 1723 to 1793, the area was a cemetery. The whole area around it was a cemetery. Yeah, and they started building cities. If you ever go to San Antonio and go to the Alamo, it's surrounded by buildings. It's not. It's not like it's Alamo is in one singular place in the middle of nowhere. No, it's a. It's a. It's the, the Alamo is still there. It's still mm-hmm. original construction. Still building. Still well, it's probably been refurbished. Yeah, but it's still there as it was back in eighteen people. Eighteen thirty-six. Yeah, as it was back then during the siege and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. And the entire area around it was open fields, open desert, essentially. Yeah. Now it's a covered city. Yeah. So there are buildings on areas where people died. Yeah. So the surrounding buildings, well, for sure, got to be haunted. the crazy thing, and one article that I read, um, I think it was like, oh, um, legendsofamerica.com. They basically said that over a thousand bodies were still, like, that were buried at least in that area. And that when they, like, build new buildings or start digging anywhere, they still, to this day, start, they see bodies, like, remains. Yeah, so all the Mexican soldiers that died around the area uh, that were killed, and then all the the Texas military, you know, mm-hmm. um, that were in the Alamo that died. You gotta remember, a couple of famous people died in the Alamo. Yeah. David Bowie, Jimmy... Johnny, Jim, Jimmy, Davy Crockett, Davy Crockett. What do we think about Jimmy? Jimmy Crockett. That sounds like a SpongeBob. Oh no, Jerry, Jimmy, Jimmy Crockett, Davy Crockett. <laughs> yeah, Jim Bowie. That's right. I got the names mixed up. Yeah. Uh, famous with the Bowie knife and all that yeah. stuff. But they died there. Everyone died there. They don't really survived. But you think the spirits of those people or would still technically be there? Mm-hmm. Interesting for us to go. You, I think even before that, you have, like, well, the whole area with, like, the whole native background. Like, I mean, Spring Branch has native backgrounds. Um, You'll find out later um, the Devil's Backbone and Devil's uh, Backbone Tavern all have things with the, the native, like, a native background. Black Swan Inn, same thing. So, I mean, there's probably way more before... Even the Alamo ex- happened and existed and all that stuff that there was probably bodies there. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they like actually like did like a scanning of the earth. How many bodies are actually buried in the ground? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wonder. 
Dang. So just a little brief history about the Alamo, because I said I would touch on it because it's such a, a big thing with San Antonio. I know I learned about it in school, so I feel like they taught it once a year. Oh, yeah. Like, like you know it, but they taught it once a year. What is that equivalent for North Carolina? You guys like famous landmark that you always talk about? Well, I remember, I don't know, I don't know about other people in North Carolina, but like they would constantly talk about like the native culture because we have the Cherokee over here. Um, Croatoan. Huh? Well, Croatoan, but we also have a big Cherokee population. Mm. And it was, it was like, I remember because eighth grade was all like your state's history, basically. So North Carolina history. And I remember we talked a lot about, I'm trying to think, good Lord, like colonial settlement type stuff. We had a lot of that kind of stuff, like Roanoke Island. Yeah, Roanoke Island is a big thing. Yeah. Like the whole colonial stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything massive, like the native stuff. Someone's out there probably yelling at the, (laughs) at the, at the listening device that they're listening on. Like, there's this in North Carolina, you dumb. No, because anyone who's been in, lived in Texas their entire life, like mm. I, I had majority of mine. I mean, you learn about the Alamo all the time. Like it's almost ingrained, right? Yeah. And here's a f- <laughs> here's a fun test for anyone from Texas mm-hmm. who's been in Texas their life. So she's from. I don't know if it's still taught with the youth, but I know from my generation it was. Stars are bright, or uh, uh, stars are bright. Oh, you don't even know so, it. Stars and stripes are big, big and bright. Da-da-da. In the heart of Texas. Stars are bright and big. Right? Isn't that it? Stars are bright and big at night. Fuck, I haven't seen that song forever. Isn't that what it is, though? In the heart yeah, of Texas? Yeah, but stars are bright and big at night. And you play the heart of Texas. Right. Yeah. Um, That stupid tune, right? That's yeah. like, ugh, elementary school. I, I forget <laughs> the lyrics, but the melody has never left my head. Yeah. yeah. Right? But yeah, that was like ingrained in this. When I was a kid in Texas and stuff like that. Same for the Alamo. It's like you learned about, it. remember the Alamo? Oh, that's yeah. stupid crap. <laughs> yeah. Always. Was, yeah. And then as you, you get become an adult, like, oh, yeah, it probably wasn't the best thing to remember and stuff like that. Yeah. But the history basically, um, so Battle of the Alamo took place on February 23rd, 1836 to March 6th, 1836. Um, it was a huge, basically pivotal battle in Texas Revolution. On February 23rd, a Mexican force that was in the thousands led by a general named Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana attacked the fort. The Alamo had 200 defenders commanded by James Bowie, uh, William Travis, and famous people such as Davy Crockett. Uh, like I said, the battle took th- over 13 days before the Mexican government overpowered them. Uh, but later that year, they won their independence. Texas did. Um, Alamo became a huge significant thing. And showing Texas resilience at the time. Bam, bam. Why we always remember. Oh, but ghost sightings. So what? Okay, so we talked about the history and the whole like backstory. But what actually gets seen there? So basically, right after the battle, I mean, ghost sightings were talked about amongst the people. Even all the way back then. Uh, so stories and reports of ghost sightings started after the battle. Apparitions. Shadow things, men dressed up in uniforms like apparition-wise, uh, whispers, chants, all that have been reported around the Alamo and in the Alamo. I, I expect, too, it probably feel, feels heavy around that. Well, I don't like downtown San Antonio to begin with. Mm-hmm. So people are probably like, what? It's so memorable. <laughs> in the cool places. They got the red place, believe it or not. You think that's people in Texas, huh? <laughs> it kind of sounds like Owen Wilson a little bit. Uh, Your fellow attempts at accents create that weird <laughs> impression. Uh, no, but that's also where I, I uh, downtown San Antonio is also where I had that weird vampire goth kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That Good. weird. That was weird. Uh, that was weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. And then I got uh, followed by that guy. Who the heck knows? He could have been an apparition. Uh, we got lost and we were in this random neighborhood and I had this this guy this goth kid which i mean i was gothic so i was like okay like i mean i know the aesthetic and i know like you know i'm goth kid too i remember they we were with a friend and my mom and my dad were starting to panic because they were like shit like how do we we're starting to get into like some rough areas like how do we get back and um like you know it's bad with my dad because he was a former marine like he started panicking and i remember we had this guy following us he was like in 
Like it, it looked like an old timey suit and he was just following us. And this one random goth kid came. I mean, he looked like he could have been an extra on like the little vampire. But he like hissed at us and we were like, what the hell? We got through a portal. Mm. This is weird. But okay, anyways. So San Antonio is also known. So like I said, San Antonio has a long list, kind of like New York does or like Los Angeles, any major cities do. But they are particularly known for their hotels. Uh, They have the Gunther Hotel, the Manger Hotel. I think I'm saying that right. Emily Morgan Hotel, St. Anthony Hotel, the Hotel Gibbs, and a Holiday Inn Express that's haunted. The Manger Hotel, I'll talk a little bit about that one. I can't get into like every hotel, but maybe. Um, But the Manger Hotel opened in 1859 by William Manger. This location had the first brewery in Texas. Uh, Sam Houston, General Lee, Grant, uh, and many other high-profile people uh, stayed at this hotel. Apparently, the most notable spirit, though, is a woman guest named Sally White. According to AlamoCityGhostTours.com, Sally White was a maid who worked at the hotel and one night argued with her, got in a bad argument with her husband. The next day, the husband threatened to kill her and then basically later in 18, basically threatened to kill her and then outside of the her hotel um, that night ended up killing her. She didn't die on site, but ended up dying two days later from her injuries. Um, apparently you can see Sally walking the halls. There's also another entity called Captain Richard King. Uh, he can be seen entering his own old room. Um, so yeah. And then you have obviously, um, the Gunther Hotel, even the Davy, not Davy Crockett Hotel, but isn't it called the Crockett Hotel? That one always gave me like weird vibes. Um, Emily Morgan, Saint An- yeah, Saint Anthony, the Hotel Gibbs, and Holiday Inn Express. So I will probably talk more about those, like either on if we do a part two, or who knows, maybe we'll do an episode later on next year where we're actually in San Antonio and cover more of these spots. Who knows? Or maybe we'll actually go there. Who knows? Um, but another place that we've actually been to, and I don't think you're going to remember this, but the San Fernando Cathedral. That's where my cousin got married. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's super massive, super beautiful. Um, and I think most of these places are downtown, funny enough. Um, Where'd she have her reception? I don't know. That's what I was trying to, I don't think it was a Black Swan Inn. No. No, but it was another like old timey building. Like it was. I and that was on the roof of the building. No, yeah. I will never forget that elevator. First of all, I don't like elevators, but that elevator was like a crank elevator, and I was not <laughs> fond of it. Like, you lean too much one way, whoop, and go down. Yeah, you want to freak Megan out and jump in Oh, my God, no, her. thank you. <laughs> yeah, if we ever investigate, like, haunted hotels, yeah, you're probably going to get footage of that. <laughs> I'm going to be like, no, please don't do it, no. Like, I, I don't know if that, maybe, maybe in a past life I died that way, but, like, the idea... There's a dream, too, I had one time where, like, I don't know, the elevator, it freaks me out. We're just going to stay with that. Um, But the San Fernando Cathedral, I'm not going to get too much into the history because it's a long-ass history. Um, But paranormal activities there includes orbs, dark shadow figures, ghostly monks, shadow figures, and more. Um, Apparently, when they were renovating at one point, they found bones in the walls also. Um, huge church, lots of people that go there. Um, they have a lot of, uh, baptisms and, you know, communions and stuff like that. Um, so massive, um, which is kind of interesting because you wouldn't, well, I guess there is churches that are haunted. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it would be one of the last places I would think that was haunted because it's like holy, you know what I mean? Mm. But, um. Like, what really happens at church that would cause bones to be in the wall? A long hmm. time ago, secrets that are kept. And like I said, there's tons. This one I found interesting, though, and I never heard this one. Um, but ac- according to uh, one article, there's a place called the Donkey Lady Bridge in San Antonio. 
know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's so, so ridiculous when I heard someone talk about. Um, well, not really. I had there was one TikToker that explained it a little bit more, and it made more sense. So it's located on the south side of San Antonio, and it said that you could see a woman that resembles a donkey, right? But the lady, so basically, a farmer in the area set the house on fire or set fire to his house, killing his children, and left his wife extremely disfigured. And so the girl was explaining that when you are inflamed, like you have bad burns. Uh, I, I forgot exactly how she said it, but it basically elongated the woman's face and her hands like melted together. So it looks like hooves and a donkey face, but it's not. So she's disfigured. But you see apparently her apparition haunting that area. Makes sense now, huh? Yeah, yeah now it does. Okay, so that was San Antonio. So now we're going to drive on down the road to the devil's back. Not very far. No, not very no. far at all. It's close to the Spring Branch house. Yeah. Kind of. It goes from, uh, we talked about it in the Spring Branch house episode. It goes from Wimberley to Blanco, which is going to be the next kind of area that we talk about. Um. But the Devil's Backbone um, is a limestone ridge, and it was... Okay, so like I said, it goes from Memberly, Texas, to Blanco, Texas. Uh, the Devil's Backbone is a limestone ridge that was formed over 300 years ago. A creek occurred that split the area into two regions, known as the Edwards Plateau and Gulf Coastal Plains. And it's very dangerous, by the way. Yes, I have actually driven on it. And then another interesting thing that I didn't know of and that I didn't mention, I don't believe, in Spring Branch House is that a Civil War battle actually occurred on the ridge. And I didn't know that. And limestone also, because it's a limestone ridge, it also is like an amplifier um, of paranormal activity. Plus, you had a lot of, what should we call it, like native stuff. You know, we've talked about it in the Spring Branch episode. That whole area was Native American territory. It's like most of the United States was, but, you know. Um, but apparently, paranormal activity along the Devil's Backbone um, has seen shadow figures, seeing people dressed up in, like, Civil War-type attire, weird lights, and even phantom horses, like the sounds of horses. Which is weird because we actually heard that at which we call Patsy's Pond. Yeah. Which, fun fact, I stepped in horse crap during that investigation. That was the worst. Some people take their horses down the trails. I know. And one of them lets a giant turd in the road past. Yeah, and it was pitch black, and I didn't have a light, and I was guiding Mike, and all of a sudden, I'm walking, and here, squonk! I felt like a huge-ass piece of gum was stuck to the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> I'm trailing, like, rocks and stuff as I'm going, trying to get it off. But I didn't want to cause attention to myself, because we were filming, so I didn't feel like, oh my god, I stepped in horse dung. Okay. Okay, so the Devil's Backbone Tavern, it's kind of like it takes everything that's dealing with on the Devil's Backbone kind of into an actual tavern. It It's the Devil's uh, Backbone Tavern was there for a very long time and is, is a staple on the actual Devil's Backbone. Even though like like there's reports that stuff happens there paranormal wise and it's known for like paranormal activity. Um, and it's one of those spots that you kind of, it reminds, you know what it reminds me of? Imagine Bobby Mackey's, but not like as sinister. That's what it kind of reminds me of. I've only ever seen the outside of it. Yeah. I, I think I've passed by it before too, but I've never actually gone in it. There's a lot of weird spots in San Antonio going to Austin. So I always thought that one, I don't know if you remember that one, um, that one restaurant was weird. It was like a bike, like a lot of biker people went there. But it was like before we got to our location. Mm. But I always thought that one was weird. Yeah. And I guess that's pretty much it on the Devil's Backbone and Devil's Tavern. Who knows? Maybe we'll go to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause it looks, it literally looks like like a, a typical, like, you know, you eat like pub type food, like, like Southern pub type food is what it reminds me of. And it's got like live music and stuff like that. I think there's even a song about it, though, which is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to go ahead and go on to Blanco, Texas, where you're from, where the ranch is. Yes. And the history of the ranch, like I think I talked about in one of the ghost stories part, 
one of, I can't remember which one. Um, that my suspicion of the ranch, that the area that it most likely was used for way back when, might have been when they hang the people. Yeah. Um, in the early 1800s, because Blanco's been around since the 1800s. Mm-hmm. The oldest part of Blanco that still stands today is the courthouse. Yeah, which we got married in. Yep. Um, and the surrounding buildings that go back pretty long time. Mm-hmm. The entire square itself is from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And it's older buildings and stuff like that. Um, and I've talked about a few places about it in uh, the ghost stories parts. And it always felt like there's some parts of Blanco that are relatively creepy. But I never understood why. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, that. And plus, I was always told ghost ghost stories by other friends. Like, we always mm-hmm. had ghost stories to share amongst kids I knew in Blanco. Yeah. We didn't really have our own, like, legend. Mm-hmm. You would say, like, oh, don't go here because this person will get you. Or Creepy yeah. Joe or something like yeah. that. No, it was never the situation. Funny enough, one place that I remember we haven't talked about before um, that I didn't think about mm-hmm. is uh, anyone from Blanco or the surrounding area knows about a dance hall in Blanco that's old as shit called Twin Sisters. Twin Sisters Dance Hall. Now, funny enough, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Right? The building is old as shit. I was around since I was a little kid, even mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Most majority of my family, whoever got married in Blanco, had their reception there. Yeah. Right? Um, so apparently the Twin Sisters Dance Hall, uh, let's say how it, this is what it says, the story of the old Texas Dance Hall. Uh, Mr. Max Kruger, uh, was responsible for the building, a dance hall and community center, along with a bowling alley, uh, was built in 1879. So around the same time, dang. Blanco's Discovery, uh, or Blanco's Discovery. It's, I think, 1821, 18, Blanco was established. Uh, these buildings were named the Twin Sisters Hall and Bowling Alley. In 1967, the Bowling Alley burned down. Oh, dang. I always wondered what the hell the charred wood building, when I was a kid, that was away from it. Because mm. you had the main dance hall that's kind of one long building. It's like one end, almost like a giant trailer almost. Yeah. <laughs> this is a long building. It has its own kitchen. Has its own area where you can serve food. Mm-hmm. Has its stage with, you know, music and stuff like that. You even had an old broken piano and organ in there one time that me and my brothers yeah. would mess around with just hitting the keys, trying to get noise out of it. Um, and then the surrounding area around it is just all woods. Yeah. There's something out there but woods. And yeah. you, there was no parking lots. It's drove parking dirt wherever you wanted to, right? Yeah. Real, real country. Um, but I remember I was a kid, I noticed like this building off to the side that was like, it looked like it was burned down, but it just, at the time that I saw it, it was old, right? And that was like in the 90s when I saw it. So it about 30 years after. Um, but apparently the, the build, the bowling alley, uh, uh, was re- later rebuilt in Spring Branch. Mm, so mm. I didn't know where it was. Mm, I wonder if it's that one. Mm. Uh. Uh, a dance hall is owned and operated by a volunteer board of directors and members, which still is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, always been a long tradition to hold music, music, local music, and have parties and stuff there, right? Yeah, yeah. So to this yeah, day. Yeah, I remember. The reason I bring it up mm-hmm. is when I was a kid, I always get creepy vibes in there, especially in the mm-hmm. back area. Like mm-hmm. I said, where a broken piano keyboard is. Mm-hmm. I never explained to myself why. Right? Yeah. This is long before I had my abilities. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I think I still had a sense of what was creepy back there. Me and my dad yeah. did a lot of gigs there. And I always felt eerie in the backside of the building. Because when you drive up to it, it's a dirt road that goes in. And it goes, you follow it, and it kind of, you go drive to the right. Uh, or the right side of the building where all the parking spaces are. And the parking spaces go all the way around the building. But on the left side of the building... On the other side of all the main parking spaces is just open area. That area always felt weird to me. Right? Mm. And I think that's where the bowling alley was. It burned down. Mm. It never said anyone who died in it. Then again, I didn't really look. See if anyone died in the, in the fire or stuff like that. Yeah, but you don't even know what the land was before, too. Ten to one odds, it was owned by Native. That was one place at Blanco that I have never talked about before. That I just remember. Oh, I remember. There was that. I don't know if you remember that house. I always got creepy vibes. Um, was it? I can't remember if it was like a house or a church. Cause I, I always was joking, saying like, "Oh, that would be a cool place to have a wedding," but I get the creeps from it. Do you remember that? It was all the way up. 
I think it was like maybe going to San Marcos area or maybe going to Austin. I'm not sure because you had some gigs in Austin, some shows. Mm. I don't know. It was up on the. Do you you don't remember? It was up on the hill. It's like way up there. I don't know. know, Next time we go. (laughs) Um. So okay. So we're gonna make our way to Austin now. So of course, being that it's Austin, we have to talk about the Driscoll Hotel. The Driscoll Hotel is known as pretty much the, one of the most haunted hotels in Texas, definitely in the Austin area. It was completed in 1886 and is the oldest operating hotel in Austin, Texas. Um, and it's won many awards for not only being like haunted and stuff like that, but for being one of the best hotels in Texas. So it was built by um, Colonel Jesse, Dris- Jesse Driscoll a cattleman who spent his fortune constructing the Driscoll. And the hotel was placed on the National Register of Historical Places on November 25th, 1969, and has had many notable people stay at this hotel. Um, Kind of making the history a little bit short, because I do have an encounter story that I want to read you guys. This is what who they think is haunting the location. It's specifically in room 525. They believe that is a haunted room. Unfortunately, two people committed suicide in that room. A bride had killed herself in room 525 after her fiance called the wedding off. Um, and they believe she roams the halls of the Driscoll in her wedding gown, both a shot to the stomach in the bathtub. Exactly 20 years later, in 1991, another bride died. Uh, she was the second one. She was left at the altar, basically took her ex-husband's credit card, went on a crazy shopping spree, bought all her stuff up to the room, and then committed suicide in the room's bathroom. And they said that's another entity or spirit that you could see roaming the halls and kind of like just go up and disappear into 525. So I'm going to stay in 525. Mm. I'm just kidding. Um, apparently there's a child spirit. Her name is Samantha Houston. She tripped and fell to her death on the grand staircase. And you can hear a child, a child giggling and throwing a ball down the stairs. And then Annie Lennox, the musician, she actually had an instance where she saw an apparition and it was this man that they believe is actually Jesse uh, Driscoll. And he is known to touch women on the arm or the back, but she actually had an encounter there, which I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to go ahead and read the encounter story that I had. I reached out to this person. All right. So this was uh, someone shared her experience about a year ago at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. And her username is Lavambai, I think is what it says. Anyways, so this is her experience at the Driscoll Hotel. I am one of those people who eats, sleeps, and breathes horror. I love macabre, ghost stories, and especially historic locations known for their paranormal activity. I have just began my journey of staying as as many hotels as possible, but this experience was different than the rest I've had thus far. It wasn't my first, and although I have this deep sense of dread as I say it, it certainly won't be my last. My husband, who is on the rocks about most things paranormal and thinks I'm an absolute psychopath, respects and accepts my passion. To celebrate my 28th birthday, he let me know a week before the date that we would be traveling somewhere and staying there for two nights as a surprise. I had a feeling deep in my gut that we would be driving to Austin to stay at the Driscoll Hotel. With that in mind, I packed up my bags and made sure to include my camcorder and my tripod, just in case. The week slowly crawled by, but we finally found ourselves on the road headed down I-10, and once we hit Interstate 71, I knew we were headed to Austin. Once we made it to the city and we turned onto Brazos Street, the rest was history. We had officially arrived to the infamous Driscoll Hotel. We entered into the grand lobby and there Colonel Jesse Driscoll stood in darkness contained within an ordnance golden frame in the picture, not the actual operation. Mm. Just putting that in there. Because I thought at first, I was like, whoa, what? And then I reread it that it was a picture. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, as we carried our suitcases past the, past the lonely man, I could see the sadness in his eyes. We took the lift up to the eighth floor to find our room. The hallways were thoughtfully decorated with stunning artwork every three feet or so from from each other. And it was clear that the design throughout the structure would have delighted most of, most of, if not all of their political and socialite guests. We stepped into our room and to my surprise it was light and airy. Nothing about this room made me feel uneasy. 
We changed our clothes, unpacked our belongings, and planned to go out for a light meal to kick off the evening. Before leaving the room, I plugged up my camcorder to charge in preparation for our first night. After eating a small meal, we made our way to Joe's Coffee Shop and watched the soft rain fall into the pavement around us as we patiently waited for the tour to begin. We thought we might be the only ones on the tour considering the weather was not ideal, and of course the reality of the pandemic being the backdrop of everywhere we went, but to our surprise it was a full house. There was a handful of other couples, two families with small children, and a pair of friends. We first discussed the Frost Tower and then the Spaghetti Warehouse, the Speakeasy, and then a great story about the first heavily documented serial killer in America who allegedly may have been Jack the Ripper, who they had who may have resided in Austin, Texas as a butcher prior to moving to Europe. Just when I thought I couldn't wait any longer, we turned the corner and there the Driscoll sat, waiting for a story to be told. Having done research on the hotel prior to staying, I was expecting the guy to bring up death of Samantha Houston and the creepy painting of her that is located in the building. However, I apparently hadn't done enough research because there was not one but two additional stories that I found particularly sinister that I had not heard about prior. The suicide brides, he began. Long story short, it is believed that two young women who were in the hotel for their honeymoons had both committed suicide by gruesomely shooting themselves in the stomach and bleeding out in the bathtub. The craziest part is that they both had stayed in room 525 and have both taken their lives in the same bathtub exactly 20 years apart. I have a habit of getting really excited to stay at haunted hotels and then after taking the ghost tour, I get pretty freaked out. It wouldn't stop me from staying the night, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't ready for a drink or a six as a precaution to sleep peacefully through the night. We headed to the Driscoll Bar and enjoyed the busy atmosphere discussing all of the new things that we just learned. After I finally felt all warm and fuzzy, it was time to go to the famous painting of Samantha Houston on the fifth floor. The floor level we were staying on was a straight hallway and nothing more. When we exited the elevator and saw the fifth and saw the straight hall in front of us, I thought it would be pretty similar and we would find the painting in no time. I looked to my right, expecting to see a wall similar to the eighth level, but instead was met with yet another long hallway. My curiosity pulled me down the mysterious hall. So we veered right and began walking. About midway, I was met by another opening to yet another long hallway. The fifth floor was like a maze. We wandered for a bit. I sang her name as we stepped quietly through. Samantha, I giggled. Drunkly, where are you? My eyes finally met with her. She gazed at me as if she had heard me calling for her. Her eyes had no evil in them. She was pure innocent. Her eyes were big and beautiful, much like that of a deer. I filmed from afar and slowly walked up to the painting. We took a few photos then headed up to the room, completely forgetting about room 525, which I'm actually 100% okay with. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So right now, throughout the story, they're just kind of like doing the typical tour stuff, like, you know, seeing that, you know, she's an enthusiast. So um, we settled into our room and talked a bit about the night until we got too tired to come, to stay up any longer. Before getting into bed, I pulled my camcorder off the charger, turned it on and confirmed it at 100% battery and placed it on the tripod and began filming the night. Um, it was roughly 2 a.m. when I was awoken by a fly buzzing around my face. I watched him zoom back and forth, and then I finally slapped him down. I grabbed my phone and turned on the flashlight. I then shined the light onto my hand and could see what was left of the fly and his blood. I don't remember a lot after that, but I had, I must have fallen back asleep. I must have been dreaming because the next time I woke up, I was standing in the corner of the room, right about where my tripod was set up. I looked at the bed, and there I saw my husband and myself sleeping i stood there frozen my husband was sleeping in a normal position but my head was halfway down the mattress and my feet hanging off the bottom so she's basically astral projecting Mm. i think because i mean she's seeing herself she's fully out across the room seeing herself sleep so anyways um i couldn't believe what i was seeing and i can't even explain how it didn't feel like a long time after that. I seemed to have woken up now back in bed and I began screaming and crying hysterically. My husband turned over and comforted me and I lay there awake for quite some time until I fell back asleep. Again, I find myself standing in the corner. So she's back asleep. Again, I find myself standing in the corner of the room in the same spot as before, but this time it's different. I could see my husband in bed. And to be quite honest, I don't recall whether I was in bed with him or not because my attention was on the other side of the room. From the corner I was standing in, I had a clear shot of the entrance into the powder room and bathroom and I saw a woman dressed in housekeeper clothes. 
Um, I have a, attached a photo that I found online that looked like the outfit she was wearing. I could tell in that moment that her outfit was not from our time. She crossed the door frame from the powder room with a vacuum and went into the bathroom where I could no longer see her. She then took a step backwards back into the door frame as if she had perhaps seen something that caught her attention and looked right at me. She had dark hair that was pulled back. She stood there in silence. She was clearly there right in front of my eyes, but she had this washed out presence about her. She was not bright, just illuminating some form of dim bluish low light that looked like she was fading. The exchange of looks had me feeling as though I was the one who was watching her, and she then carried on with her duties under my sight. Finally, it was daylight the next time I woke up, despite feeling as though I was hit by a bus and got absolutely no rest. I had never been so excited for the morning, and the thing the first thing I did was turn over to my husband exhausted. I started explaining I started by explaining the weird fly that woke me up and then proceeded to ask if he remembered me waking up crying. He said that he was 100% sure that he had not been woken up, nor did he hear me crying or screaming. After this, I realized maybe I had been dreaming when I thought I was awake. I was completely lost in my own reality, maybe. I then remembered that I had been recording the whole night. So I rushed to the camcorder, pulled it off the tripod to review the footage. Upon powering on the camcorder, I was greeted with a message. Corrupt file. <laughs> uh, I was in disbelief about the events that took place the night before, and now I would never know if I had potentially caught something on video. I saw no blood anywhere, any remnants of the fly, no evidence of the events that took place. I was defeated and terrified that I had stayed at this hotel in the room for another night. The close of the story is that I did not record the second night because I felt as though maybe that provoked whatever I experienced the night before. After more drinking and lots of lights on, I managed to sleep on night two with no disturbances. When we returned home, I was having trouble sleeping for about four days because I kept feeling this feeling that I was being watched. Um, it finally shook off in time and I'm recharged and ready to go and check out another haunted location. But there was definitely one I did not expect and will never forget. Ding, ding. Yeah. 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 So... That could have been astral projection. I mean, she she could have been dreaming, but to me, that sounds like astral projection. Remember how we talk about like the ether, right? Like the the in between, like the astral realm and ours, where it's almost like identical. What if she was on that plane? She yeah. astral projected on that plane. And I I forgot where I read this. There was something I read a long time ago. I was like a kid in like one of those weird magazines. I don't know. I don't know exactly what magazine, but it's. Felt right, a weird magazine about ghosts or something like that. Um, and one of the things that like somebody was warning, like, don't record you sleeping because if you do, it's like, it's like, don't look in the mirror, close the lights off, and say something in the mirror. You know what I mean? Like, don't record yourself sleeping for whatever reason. Like, I don't know if they were trying to insinuate that the like stuff happens when you do that or what. What do you think? Should we stay at the Driscoll Hotel? Yeah, hey. I mean, it is like 2 30, 2 50 at night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's not a budget hotel, but I guess like I mean it's not a budget hotel. It better be the best damn sheets I ever slept in. Yeah, <laughs> they better have the nice pillows. If I find one bed bug, ah! <laughs> they better have a good breakfast too. Yeah, all you can eat. Two hundred thirty dollars for the shit. All you can eat. Don't you hate that when you go to a hotel and they don't have a good breakfast? That's the worst. Or like soggy waffles. I think like. So we we traveled a lot. Like yeah. the Holiday Inns is probably one of the best ones we ever had. Every time I see one, who stop? You know, stop there because more. No, but I have. Awesome. Okay, I want this to be known. If we start going to haunted hotels, right, or we stay at hotels for whatever reason, I I kind of want to go more for Airbnbs, and that's because like where we stay in an actual house. Not after you watch Barbarian. Yeah, I probably don't want. It. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> no, but. I have the worst luck with hotels. Some fight or some no, loud motels. No hotels. We well, never had a fight. Yeah, in a hotel. no. You don't remember what happened at freaking the one Holiday Inn Express we did? It didn't happen in the hotel, but you you went in to check in and I was like, "Go stay in the car." And then that was the worst decision of my life because the Waffle House next door. There was, like, people beating the crap at each other in the parking lot. Like, there's always fights or loud drunk It's a Waffle person. House. I know. You can't blame but... the Holiday Inn for a Waffle House. I know, but I'm telling you, like, it, it, it was scary. Like, they got out of their car and they were, like, 
beef up, bro. Like, be, oh, what'd you say? It's scary. And it always happens at hotels. It'll be recorded, so you'll see. I know motels, we had the worst luck. That's motels, I mean. Hmm. No, hotels. And then I remember, even when I stayed at your friend's place in Blanco, remember? The hotel that your friend's friend at the time owned the night before our wedding, there was like, like, my <laughs> friend was like, oh my god, I don't want to stay here, Megan. I don't want, like, one of the bridesmaids was just like, I don't want to stay here, Megan. I can't stay here. It's freaking me out. They're going to, like, bust through the door because there was fights outside of the hotel room. Motel. Yeah, a difference. Hotel, there's stories. Yeah. There's different floors. Motel. You open your door, you're outside. Oh, okay. Don't stay in a motel. Stay in a hotel. No, there there was something in a hotel before with me. So before we end the episode, there is one more spot in Austin, which I don't even think we I there would be no way to get into this unless you like you had ties. But um it's called the Little Field Little Field House. It's a historical house on the campus of the University of Texas at Austin. It was built in eighteen ninety three, built by James Walrenberger. Hmm. <laughs> Um, but commissioned by Civil War veteran, cattle rancher, and businessman George Littlefield, which I think both of them actually had ties to other buildings in Austin that are well known. George and his wife, Alice, were philanthropists and huge benefactors for the university. On November 10th, 1920, Littlefield actually died of pneumonia in the house, and Alice lived for another 15 years and passed away in 1935. At 88 years old, and the mansion was gifted to the university. But most people believe that the house is haunted by Alice. There was rumors that Alice was locked in the house when Littlefield was on business trips or on trips. There was also a rumor that Alice had an unknown mental condition where she would develop thoughts of being kidnapped. Uh, Anybody that has been or worked at the university mansion has said to have seen Alice's apparition. Sounds of the piano being played in the living room and then the window in the attic can be seen opening and closing. Mm. So, needless to say, Austin and San Antonio and even the little towns in between, there's a lot. There's a lot in Texas. And I really hope we do a road trip, too. Like, I know flying It would take almost, I don't know how many months. I know, but it would be cool to do a road trip, like, with Mike and Megan and, like, rent an RV and go. It took me six hours. I know. that To drive from one point to san antonio yeah it's a lot now it's still in texas san antonio itself though i mean to get from like went into to get, an hour. <laughs> yeah like to get you're not even including traffic that what was that highway 281 that was the one that was always clogged at a certain point like my sister lives there in san antonio she sends me pictures and it's it's clogged up that, that highway needs a plunder <laughs> <laughs> it really does like, it's it's packed. But needless to say, there's a lot of spots. Even if we just walked around downtown, I mean, we could easily show you guys the Alamo. I don't think... They don't allow video, right? Inside? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I remember something being stingy like that. I mean, needless to say, even though it's, like, creepy and all that stuff, I mean, San Antonio's got a lot of cool, cool stuff to go see and do. It's, you know, it's a bigger city, so... It's not as big as Dallas, right? Or maybe it's getting up there. I don't know. I feel like Dallas is bigger, though. Maybe not, like... Square footage, but people-wise. I don't remember. In Houston. No, Austin is smaller than San Antonio, but almost the same population. Damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang, Texas has got like four major cities in it. You forget about El Paso. Oh, yeah. Forget about Lubbock. Dang. That's (laughs) a lot of people. And two, I think like just even going back in the history, Texas has a lot of you know, you had a lot of set- settlements and stuff going that way, going out west. So, in the history there, that's the furthest west I've ever been, though. I've never been past Texas. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just rambling on here. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, I uh, catch our social medias at Hit in the Shadows podcast uh, on Instagram, Hit in the Shaw 6 on Twitter, Hit in the Podcast 2 on TikTok, or links to all social media and always listen to it at Hit in the Shadows podcast.com. Uh, also, check out our paranormal page, uh, Shadow Walker Paranormal. On Instagram, Shadowwalker Paranormal on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And then we'll do YouTube. And Shadowwalker Paranormal. All right, same thing. And look for that video uh, coming out in the afternoon tomorrow. Also, look forward to Shadowwalker Part 4 Monday. Yeah. And then we'll start also getting into newer subjects. Yes. And we have some of the goal plan for December. Yes. So, so it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. And then we got a potential uh, good investigation coming up soon at... Yeah. 
uh, a location that, that we've never done before. And we can't say the location. So. We can't say where, but we, uh, once we uh, get more information, get it more solidified, and we say that first place we've investigated like this before. Yeah. Yeah. But as always, guys, we'll catch your widows in the next one. Yeah.